0: So I'd signed the case ship records and I've been told that I could look into people's souls if I wanted to, if it was for the greater good. So I've never abused it, apart from stalking ex-boyfriends joking.
1: My guest today is Nikki Allen, who really needs no introduction, I don't think. And so thank you so much for coming on the show today, Nikki. I really appreciate having you here.
0: Seriously, I appreciate you being on my screen right now, okay, because it's 10am here in the UK and I'm looking at a most handsome man ever on the planet then, Ken, how lucky am I? I You know, I'd be luckier if I was actually in Australia because it's blinking freezing here. But look, come on, guys. When you watch this, you must just have to keep going back. So is he actually talking right now? Looking into those... Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, my God. My day, uh, thank you for having me. Uh... I think if I could go redder, I probably would. But thank you. Thank you. Oh, really? <laughs> so
0: you've got a nice kind of like little tang going on there, but nothing too bad, obviously. You've got to be safe in the uh, Australian outback and stuff. Oh, no, you're not the outback, are you? No.
1: Yeah, the, that's, I, actually, I grew up in the outback. But, um, oh,
0: see, look, I'm starting that's already. A whole other story. The psychic yeah. vibes are coming through already.
1: I grew up in the bush in, in Western Australia.
0: Oh, wow. How fascinating is that? I should be interviewing mm. you.
1: <laughs> you book me in later if you like.
0: That'd be a good idea. I just got to work out Zoom first. I got to work yeah. it out. Every time I'm a, like a guest, the hosts are magnificent. They've got it all sorted and it's all this spandangle stuff. It's a bit like, I don't know, something on you find on an aeroplane. list, things flashing and all sorts of things. And I, I'm so <laughs> rubbish at technical stuff. And the problem is because of what happened to me and I had this new life I had to deal with, I now got to do loads of social media. I haven't got a clone I have, I've just worked out how to do YouTube and it's press this button, do this affiliate things. I'm like, I just don't know what I'm doing. I just haven't got a clue. I just, just wobble along. I'm the most unprofessional person ever.
1: You're doing okay. You, YouTube channel is going just fine. Trust me. Yeah, you just what you're doing.
0: Exactly. This is, I've got such a lovely community on there and there's a real good, I you call do. them out at the tribe and it's grown magnificently recently. I'm so pleased. As soon as the book launched, everything's gone, it's gone massive to the extent where I'm now getting interviewed all over the world. And now I'm in Australia. So, yeah, it's been magnificent. Absolutely. I'm so pleased. And YouTube, I just want that to grow and grow now because I did work it for a number of years. I think it's in me, myself and I when they got we should go on to YouTube and I worked it. It didn't really go anywhere. And I thought, well, it doesn't feel right. Took a step back and then suddenly it just went Bang. So it's lovely because when I was a child, I used to, it's almost like a prophecy of what I was going to do. As a child, there was like this chrome side on our oven. And even as a little one, six, seven years old, I just used to sit and talk in front of it like I was pretending I'd been interviewed. So even then, I I was like, turning away into this unseen camera. I just, I love it. I love being able to reach people this way and teach them and show them. The afterlife, heaven, and everything that is to do with that, the angel realms. And it just gives me so much joy to reach so many people. People moan about social media, but for me it's a beautiful gift of reaching people, especially in their darkest times. Yeah. I used to do it, I used to do it as a police officer, and now I'm doing it as well, what could you call me? Psychic medium, spiritual advisor, spiritual tutor. Pick an author, pick a title. Also, it's the emails you get, the love you get from all over the world. I was saying that I was feeling a bit poorly a couple of days, ago. I was a bit exhausted, and uh, from my ME. And so I've got just a flurry of emails. Are you okay? Have you tried this? I've had people send me health supplements, and it's just so lovely. And I have got a big following in Australia as well, which I'm so proud of. And I'd just love to come over there at some point. I will at some point. It's one of my ticky boxes. I'm doing Florida this year and the United States. So the next stop has got to be us. So I dive as well. So when I can dive, I'm going to be in there. The barrier reef, the lot.
1: have to. And I'm really glad to hear that you're well enough that you can do that kind of traveling as well, which is, that's pretty exciting. I was yeah. saying to you before, reading your book, I'm up to the part where it's still debilitating your illness. And so hearing you say that you're going to be traveling or, and actually getting on a plane and going overseas, that obviously means that you've, improved quite a bit, which is good to hear.
0: Absolutely. I think that for people that don't know the book, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, look, it's here. This one, you're talking about that one, me, myself and I.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm up to Uh, chapter 20.
0: That one, obviously I was suicidal most days because at the end of the day, the prognosis was I was going to be in bed for the rest of my life. And Mm. during that five years, it was the most torturous hell on earth. However, it's the most enlightening as well because of all the angel and spirit phenomena that took place and in visitation. And, I, and me being quite sceptical of things now and then, I was thinking, was I really seeing that? But my dogs were going wild. And it wasn't until I surrendered, I thought, I've got to now grieve my old life, which was amazing, absolutely amazing, and adapt and think, what can I do now? And obviously, you've, I, oh, no, read the fake. Oh, no, I can't tell you. It's a spoiler alert. I can't tell you that bit. But <laughs> hence to say... I end up obviously being able to get out of bed. What happens is, though, with this, is like, for instance, the Orlando conference I'm doing, I would have to have many days rest before and many after, and it is called pacing, where you have to, everybody knows this who's got ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, or fibromyalgia, you have to pace yourself because you can't live like a normal person. So it's just adapting, listening to your body, and when it says, that's enough, then you just literally stop what you're doing and you have to sleep. And the thing is with that is you lose lots of friends over it because you're always cancelling or saying, I can't do this, I can't do that. But it's all about mindset. And this is another thing I try and get across. Not only are we not alone, in both books, I show people literally that we are never, ever alone, whether we believe it or not. And I think I dip into that in me myself and I because I thought they'd abandon me. I thought, where are you? Hang on a minute, I'm part of a bloodline that goes back hundreds of years where we've served you lot. It was a bit more colourful than that, darling. There were a few (laughs) F-bombs in there. I'm not going to Where are you? Which the F-bombs are in the book. I was so raw with it. I just thought I'm going to chuck it all in. And I was like, you've just left me. But I ended up realising that my energy was so dense and so low and I'd done it myself. I created that blockage myself and just cut them out. Mm. They were not still there. And in the end, they're like, oh, do you know what? We've had enough of her bleeding. Let's just go and stand in a bedroom. And so it most probably will be the last time I ever have, like my guides physically standing in the room and angels physically standing in the room. And my dad, who is in the spirit world, and I sat talking to him for five minutes and he was like just a solid man. I don't think that's ever going to happen again, but I think they thought I was in such crisis that they're like, oh, hang on a minute, she might just take herself over. We can't have that because she's got so much more work to do down here. So we need to intervene and do some pretty miraculous stuff. And so even now sometimes, I when I talk about the books and talk, I look back in my journals, I think, I can't believe it happened. But it really did. And as I said, when anything came into my bedroom, whether it was an angel, spirit guide, one of my loved ones, the dogs would go crazy. I've got two little shit And they would go mental, looking at whatever was there. So they backed it up because I was always worried, oh, am I making it up because I'm so desperate? Am I making it up because I'm on so many drugs, medication, drugs? Mm. And it wasn't. It was magnificent. It was just pure magic. And they were just showing me that nobody's ever alone. We think we are. And when we go through the dark traumas of our life, especially with grief and loss, we just think there's nobody there helping us because they've taken someone away we love. And they've gone off to a different place and I hate the world and God would never do that, blah, 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 blah. But they are, they're all standing in the wings just waiting for you to go, do you know what, I need your help now because I've got nothing left. I don't know what else to do, so I need you. And that's when you start experiencing the true magic of it. And you don't have to be a medium for that. You don't have to be someone that's connected all the time. It can happen to anybody. And I have so many stories of people that either have signs or physically their husband in the spirit will come in to say, it's okay, love, I'm okay. Angel visitations, it happens everywhere. But the weird thing is, it's still, uh, there's still a stigma attached to it. There's still a, well, yeah, okay, because there's people that don't want to face the fact that we are eternal souls. Mm. And I think what they get scared of, and I think this is the biggest fear, is that, oh, I don't want to lose my husband when I go up there. I don't want to lose my dog. I don't want an eternal soul. I just want to keep this life. But when they get up there, they realize that this is just a tiny little speck of a completely infinitive existence. And in my next book I'm writing at the moment, which is What Happens When We Die, I literally describe what happens from physical death or even just before physical death, right the way through to when we reincarnate again. Because they've given me, you know, obviously, you have loads of wonderful stories of near death experience on your channel. And I'm like, oh, that's really good. But I've realised that I have the death experiences without dying. Do
1: you know what I mean? Perhaps I
0: could all die when I was in bed (laughs) for five years. But it's just I can go up there whenever I want. And the one time that I saw it and I thought, wow, this is incredible, because that's when I started getting interested in it. Because for people that don't know me, I don't read books. I I haven't studied anything. Everything I've learned and what I've been taught comes from them through meditation, dream state or physical visitation, and then they'll back it up with another sign to show me that they really were there. And so my uncle died in Spain, and I thought, do you know what, I want to know where he is, because my auntie was so distraught, she's over in Spain, and he's, he's passed over. There was a lot of illness before, and I thought, I want to have a look where he is. Now, ages ago, I'd been, I didn't even know what I was doing. It was only until... <laughs> so, I don't know why they picked me, Rod, I really don't know why, because... I, do, I see things and then I say to someone, do you know what that is? And they go, are you kidding me? And this was the Akashic Records. Right, the Akashic Records. And I went, oh, I had to sign a book called Akashic or something and I was in this, like, Hall of Learning, he said, and his name was Meta-something. He went, oh, my God, you're in the Halls of Learning, you signed the Akashic, he goes, "Several symbols, when he goes, that's Aramaic. And he said, and you were an Archangel <laughs> Metatron, the scribe of God. And I'm like, was I? And, that, and people go, oh, my God, she's got no clue how advanced she is and where, what planes she can go to, what celestial layers she can go to. So I'd signed dictation records and I'd been told that I could look into people's souls if I wanted to, if it was for the greater good, so I've never abused it. Apart from stalking ex boyfriends, joking, (laughs) and and so I I basically thought, I'm going to see when my uncle's gone, and they took me from literally the physical party in the transition, and they showed the people around him, and it was lovely because I didn't know these older generations, so I said to my auntie, "Oh, who's Santa?" She goes, "Oh my God, that's his mum-in-law, that's my mum. Who's this? Oh, that's my nan, and that's his nan." You know, I was like, "Oh, great!" So they were all there for him. And then he literally, there was this massive energy, which like a milky white colour, and the name Azrael come up, which I've never heard of. And so then they then take him, his soul up, which was just like loads of glittering orbs with all different types of sentient knowledge in each of these orbs within the soul. And then he gets taken to a temple. And funnily enough, I recognise this temple. When I was in Thailand, they have a thing called a spirit hub which is where they put their bodies for the souls to go up. It's like a portal in these spirit huts. And this is what they were like. And when I found them in time, I went, that's what it looks like. When you go up there, that's the huts they put you in. People think, yeah, all right, Nick, okay. And so he's then put out his soul. He's then unfilled in a plinth. that Archangel Azrael hands over the soul to someone called Jeremiah. So I don't know any of this. I'm not Jeremiah. so remember that. Google it later. And he comes in with this big black square hat and black robes and he almost puts his hands on his shoulders and then it all goes a bit, and there's humming and buzzing and all weirdness. I said, what's going on? This It's his life review. Okay. So he had his life review and then I found out later on that you see who you feel most comfortable with. So if you were religious, the image that Jeremiah will show you is Jesus. If you're yeah. a Muslim, yeah. it would be Mohammed. Okay, so they sh- he, he will change the image that you are familiar with, that you recognize as a high power dainty, if you like. And then after that, there was all this green energy around him, which was healing the soul, dealing with any transitions. And after the life review of this, too much trauma, I was told you get taken to the celestial gardens where the seraphim are and they pour this translucent water which turns out to be the fountain of life, fountain of youth, whatever you want to call it, and it heals the soul, ready for you to go into the reality layer, which so I go to this place called Crystal Palace and there's all different layers and they create it for humans to understand. So they give images so that I can create a map. So I've drawn this massive map of heaven and there's a place called the reality layer and it has got huge gates, but I think they just do that. Oh yeah, there's thought of pearly gates there, just so you understand a human being And you walk through, and it literally is like walking through a town. You're literally walking in, and there's people going, hey, hi. And these are all spirit people. This is heaven that I'm walking through. And so I walk along, and then they said, what happens is then is that the family that were right there at the beginning will gather up, run up, my uncle, and take him to their area in the reality layer. And then they show me, It's so funny, all the things he could be doing. They then... You can then create your own reality. So if you like, uh, the times I've seen people doing their hobbies and then I say to the audience member, he's doing this, she goes, oh, my God, we loved yachting or whatever. So he was then, he had his red Ferrari T-shirt on, that was his favourite, and he was down the bar having a beer. And I said, is that all you're going to do? I said, you've got people here that have died years ago, have a bit of respect, pretend you missed them. He goes, no, we're all right. I know they're there, I'm just going to have a beer and then I'll pop in and see them after. They're just getting the house ready for me. I said, you are so lazy. You are so lazy drinking beer while they're all running around for you. And then he had all these women, oh, come on, Ron, come And they were all, like, totally spoiling him like a little child. And it turns out that he was like that. His mum really spoiled him as a kid. So when I said this to her, oh, yeah, that's typical of her, to spoil him. He'll be looked after, he won't do anything there. And funny enough... Before I had a chance to speak to my auntie, she had dreamt of him and she phoned up in the morning. I went, oh, my goodness, Nikki, I can't believe it. I've just seen Ron. He's having a beer, wearing a red T-shirt. And I thought, yes. I said, thank you very much, Synchronicity, and obviously backing up what I'd seen. And then I showed her where he was and what he was doing. And she went, oh, my goodness. I said, so we've both come to the conclusion he's still drinking beer in a bar wearing his red Ferrari T-shirt. And it was just... And from then I became so obsessed with going up there and learning different things from the different layers. I went into this cabin, which was the omnipresence, which is, I suppose you could call it God, the source of the universe. I've been to all different places. And the beauty of it is that they will always back it up when I come back down here with some sign or synchronicity to prove that I've been up there. So I don't, again, I don't abuse it too much, but most of the time I'll go in meditation or I'll just sit for 10 minutes. I'm so lucky because... I live right by the ocean. So I just sit there on a rock and I just take myself up there and see who's about. I'll have a cup of tea with my Nan. I'll go walking with one of my old dogs. It's just, and this is what I'm trying to show you people that anybody can do that. If they raise their vibration or regularly heighten the levels of their consciousness through meditation or mindfulness, they can do it themselves. And that's why I've created a lot of guided meditations. One of them being visiting your loved ones in heaven. Because I get emails going, oh, my goodness, I've just spent, like, a whole day with my daughter. And then I come back and I was only out for half an hour and that's how it works, you can all do it. So she regularly now sees her daughter in meditation. And what the wonderful thing is as well is that they also tell you things that are going to happen. So when I was up there with my nan, the same nan that you're talking about, go on the Facebook thingy of all the things to say. Do you know what I mean? I was seeing all this big glow in the hall. My nan's shuffling in. Go on the Facebook thingy. I'm like, you've come all the way from heaven to say that. Can't believe it. (laughs) But you'll see why. It's amazing. And, yeah, so it's just a magical place that I want to show everybody. Everybody's open to it. Everybody's open to go to the angel realms, to sit with archangels, to go to the halls of learning, to understand more. And this is what I'm trying to do now. And my dad said to me, and you would have read that in Turkey, He said, you're going to work in a completely different way, a profound way. It's nothing like you've done before. Because I thought I was here just to prove the afterlife through mediumship and demonstrations. And he's right. It's a whole deeper level now of looking into the soul's existence and learning from the Crystal Palace, because I'm lucky enough to be able to go up there whenever I want and bring stuff back down again. And that's what I love about it. I just love that I can do that. And so rather than people say, I need a reading, I need a reading. No, you need to get into your soul, get into your personal power, meditate more, and be more aware of yourself of who you are, what you need, and you can connect in yourself. This is what I'm trying to educate people with, to lighten their energy. Because let's face it, the last few years have been a nightmare worldwide, haven't they, with COVID, the political scene, the financial scene. every I don't know what it's like over there, but it's just rubbish here, to be honest with you. very similar. And so we need to find an escape. We need to find a layer to disappear off to. I don't even watch the news anymore, darling. Do you? It just depresses me. Do you know what I mean? Like, real life is, no, you can have that. I'm just going to go back up there and talk to Archangel Michael. But I do, if I'm walking along, like I've got this meeting place I go and I decide which area I'm going to walk around and then perhaps Michael will come in or somebody will come in and then I end up having a conversation or whatever. I know it sounds a bit human, but it's the easiest way to say it in layman's terms. And then I come out and then perhaps I'll take the dogs down to the park and someone will go, Michael, come here, Michael. And you think, yes. So that's what I mean when they back it up. They will always have a circumstance happen here, a synchronicity happen here to back up exactly what's happening there. And so going back to my nan, the wonderful thing is she said, what was it? Oh, she said, oh, Carrie, he's going to have another fall, that boy. And that's my nephew. And so a week later, he just literally slipped to the toilet and ended up getting really severe concussion, rushed to hospital. And so you even get them talking of the future. So if you have a doubt, like it's your imagination going up there. They will say things and tell you about things that are coming up. And then when that happened, I was like, oh my God, she goes, he'll be all right, though. You know what He's always falling over, my nephew, bless him. And so she said, he'll be all right, don't worry, but that's happening. she did it for my mum with breast cancer. And so you just know it's coming. And I was like, what's the rapping? Is she going up or is she, no, she's all right, she'll be all right. And my mum was full makeup, sitting there, wanting a glass of wine after she just had her breast removed. Oh, I was my mum all over.
1: That sounds like you, actually. What you, what you sounds
0: like me. i don't know about the makeup but yeah i think i could have a nice glass of wine if that happened she smoked like a chimney and drank like a fish my mother bless her heart formidable lady formidable lady but even it's even my dad because i go back well we're fourth generation as far as we know and there were seventh sons after seventh sons which is like the main spiritual portal of mediums we've got the biggest energy or whatever to go up there
1: you mean um, with the people who have psychic abilities that goes a long way back in your family? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Everybody's yep. a medium psychic or healer. My brother's a full-time working medium. My sister's a healer. She's psychic as well, but she is more dunno, she dips into it and comes back out of it again. But all my family are. So I grew up with like tea leaves in teapots, tarot cards, and I just thought it was the norm, really. My granddad was formidable. I was the one that broke the seventh son, seventh son legacy. But, yeah, he could send his soul anywhere, my granddad. He used to help Scotland Yards with murder cases and things like that Under the because it was back in the 50s and 60s. And they didn't want people to know, so he did it quite secretly. But he was just... He was incredible. My my cousin went missing. She ran off with someone. She was a bit wild child. And uh, so they will come in and said, Oh, Dad, you no, know, to my granddad, Where is she? Where is she? So he went, Hang on a minute. And the thing is, we're all East End, London. I'm Essex, but they're all East End. So, so we're not all... Oh, I can sense this coming through now. We're not those sort of people. He was like a bit of a, what? He says, hang on a minute. I'll have a look. So he just closed his eyes and he literally, he could send his soul an astral plane wherever he wanted. That's so he could opposite. have
1: dual consciousness. He could remain yeah. conscious plus, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And he
0: literally floated around looking for her energy. When I say it, it sounds so unbelievable, but it's true. It's true. It's a day is long. And he said, she's in flat, I can't remember, flat number five, it's a blue door at the end of the corridor, go now because he's out. My uncle's getting the car and it's about 70 miles away, 80 miles away. They're roaring up there and on the say of my granddad, they literally go to this block of flats, go to the end room, which is this door, kick it in and she's sitting there like that. Oh, didn't they find me? <laughs> and they just dragged her out. She was with the wrong man. who was just a Roman, this bloke. And, uh, yeah, my, and they just, it, she came back and they, they all had a go at her. And it's, does anybody realised that Grandad's just disappeared off and found my cousin in a random place in Essex and we got her back? And it's, oh, my God. It was all completely normal. My my aunt used to sit there automatic right. say, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And my granddad had a Victorian scry mirror, which I've got, crystal balls, everything. They were all old school psychics and they were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I miss that because it seems that as soon as someone's got a psychic ability, they're on here saying, yay, pay me money, I'm psychic. And there's some amazing psychic mediums out there. And it's the people like that give us a bit of a bad name because there's still a modern day witch hunt going on, let's face it. We're still... Mm. In the back pages of a magazine with a little advert, do you know what I mean? It's such a shame when we can bring so much completion to someone's soul when they're grieving. And even it's like in America, I don't know if this happens in Australia, they even help the police out there. Do they, does that happen there? Do you know?
1: I think with it's some... a little more under the radar like it is in the UK. I, it seems, in my impression, and it's definitely not one that's based on a great amount of knowledge, but my impression is in the states it's a little more official in the way that they help that psychic yeah, people, help people like with missing yeah, that- persons cases and that sort of thing. I'm not so sure about it here though.
0: Yeah, it's a shame that we're not used for that really, because I've seen quite a few programs over in the US and they literally are deemed as an expert witness. Which I mm. think is fantastic. Because I can't remember the lady's name, but I watch her, I can't remember her name now. And she just she's located so many like dead bodies and missing people. But, and it's just like why don't you use this and I always phone in you know, I had I remember once I was doing a circle I, in my I called it my old life of my psychic mediumship which was me like all over the place on television and just about to tour Australia I was just about to tour Australia absolutely gutted just before the road accident and so excited to go as well and basically I was doing a circle and I go in and I just check where everybody is so my soul can go around and check where their souls are just to make sure they're all doing okay. But then this girl come up to me and she was so cute with this long, straggly hair. Do you know like the ring? Have you oh, seen yeah. the movie The yeah, Ring? scary I'm like,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, no, I'm like, oh, my God, the scene come in. That's it. I knew it. I've never seen anything bad in my life apart from when I've done paranormal investigations. But she was like, oh, you're super scary. Are you all right? And she wasn't all right. And I saw the name Nicole, and I thought that was her first name, Nicole. And she was just looking at me, soaking wet, obviously passed over. And I could tell by her face that she was lost. Nobody had found her. So this was in the October, right? And oh you would have thought you would have read about this actually. Did you? I think I've put it in Rise and Fall, haven't I? Yeah,
1: I remember this one. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. okay. Other people haven't read yep. the book.
0: And literally she and I came back round and I had and I knew where she was. It was near Ipswich, which is like just north of Essex here. And so I said, oh, my God, someone's been murdered. You're going to hear about it. So I'm thinking i am being like, don't worry, I've got it. Like, you're going to find out about this in the next couple of days and you're all going to go. Oh, Nikki, aren't you amazed? <laughs> I'm, I've described her with the long black hair and she's in a ditch or this kind of like little stream somewhere. And there's an industrial state just behind it. And it's near Ipswich, nothing, week after week, nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I thought, I feel so embarrassed because I'm supposed to be teaching all of these beautiful students. I've got it totally wrong. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't until six weeks later that I get a phone call to say, oh, my goodness, get on the telly now. There's someone being found called Paula Nicole. I'm like, oh, my God, I thought it was her first name. And she's got the long, dark hair, and she was found exactly where I said she was, bedraggled in this stream next to an industrial estate. And she was the first of many of a serial killer that was killing prostitutes at the time. So then they all started coming to me, giving me information, and I was phoning it in. But the weird thing is, only a few years back, I was the major investigation detective taking the calls from the psychics. So I knew exactly what was going to happen. It'd be, yeah, all right, thanks a lot. Go in the bloody bin. Do you know what I mean? But then luckily I knew a couple of the cops that were on there and I knew the senior investigating officer. And so I said to her, the next two victims are going to be found near Kirkby-Losoken. And I said, and there's a big green box next to the one you've just found. She goes, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh, my God, how many times i got to tell you? Because they remember me as a police officer. Lots of people know I was psychic as well. But then to come out of it and be the other side, it was really frustrating because I could have implemented that, which I did in my police career a number of times. And they all came to me and there was nothing really I could do. I described and got a full profile of the person that had done it, even down to what his house is his at looked like. But they did never came back to me, unfortunately. But the beauty of that was because I'd connected with them, I think lots of murder victims come to me because obviously that's what I dealt with when I was a police officer. And uh, they, come, they came to me and then they obviously went off to their family members, these ladies that were killed, because then I got random phone calls and I didn't know who they were. There was a bloke called, I think it was Paul or something from Scotland, and I was talking to him and I went, oh my goodness, it, your sister is one of the girls who was murdered. And, and, then I, and then the family just found me randomly to give messages from their girls. It was just incredible how it worked out. So it's really nice to do that part of it. Frustrating that nobody wants to listen to you when you've got information that they should really stand up and listen to and that's just from feelings that you're feeling in the vibration of the universe. If you could get hold of something that belonged to them or go to the crime scene imagine what we could do then. But just one of those things. I don't think it's ever going to transpire unless I move over to the States and so I could become a professional one with the police. They wouldn't have me. I'm too unprofessional. I was so unprofessional. I wasn't unprofessional. I was cheeky and naughty in the place. I just, I hated doing things like nicking people for speeding and parking tickets. I'm like, so they got me out of uniform as quick as possible and put me on crime squads they so like, just let her loose with the bad people. Just don't put her in a uniform. Get her out. I was in my element with the naughty people because I was a naughty person. But not badly. <laughs> just cheeky and hard to manage because I was very headstrong. And I think I was a good cop, yeah. And it certainly helped having psychic hunches and visions and stuff as I was going along.
1: <laughs> you must have had a good, did you have a good case solve rate compared to your non-psychic colleagues?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's hard, really, because we all worked as a team. On the major right. investigation team, we all worked as a team. I'm not going to lie, though, there was one particular murder that I got the motive for, and again, I'm sure I put this in the book as well, where, oh, bless her for Tina, she was murdered by her husband, and nobody, but nobody knew that. She'd basically gone back for lunch. He'd phoned her and said, oh, do you want to come back for lunch during a work day, and that was it. And the next thing, she was found in a rug, burnt in a car. Basically the car was set alight and it was a nightmare because the thing is that I need to be professional and you have to watch what you say for cult purposes and all the rest of it. But on the same token, I'm seeing what's really going on. It didn't happen all the time, but I went to the scene where the car was found burnt out. And I just said, Tina, just help me or get your family members to help me and show me what I need to do to help you to get justice. Because we had an inkling it was the husband, Richard, but he had an alibi. He was all covered and he was just, we just couldn't get anything on him, even though he just felt, felt a bit off. So I remember doing an interview. I had to interview the nephew. This is how low people go in this planet. And it just, oh my goodness. So the nephew, right? So I walk into the interview room. And if you can imagine, I've got to be, keep my mouth shut, get down, put the tape on, what time of day it is, who's present, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm looking at him. And the problem is, I can see him rolling his auntie up. And she'd just been strangled with a dressing gown belt by the husband. Oh my God. So I'm seeing this in my head. And I'm going, and I'm trying to concentrate. And I can't because all like every time I look at him, I know that he turned up as soon as she, she was murdered off of money. To then go and burn the car out, he wrapped his own auntie up for some insurance money for seven hundred pounds, and in the end, I couldn't stand it. And my partner at the time, my crime, my detective partner Nick, he's going to me, "You're alright," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." So I'm desperately trying to get this vision out. So I'm trying to get him to do all the talking, my colleague, and thank God this boy themed some sort of seizure so we had to stop the interview and I'm like thank god for that what do you do with it though you can't go to a judge and say can we have a warrant please because our detective is psychic and she's saying he can't do that and he's got to get the evidence so I'm like oh my god he definitely did but luckily as I said it was a team effort so the team found him on CCTV at the local train station and he'd been stupid enough to leave his train ticket outside his front door that he threw away so oh. it was sewn up that he possibly was in the area but it was circumstantial and we still didn't have a motive or who murdered Tina the girl and so anyway had another inquiry again with Nick my colleague we knocked on the door and it was just we were just visiting the friends of the family right friends of Tina and the husbands, and so it was just to sit and have a cup of tea and see if we could get any background information because obviously they'd known them all their lives So I've gone in there, sat down, and then it's all quite pleasant. We're having a cup of tea. I nearly snorted the tea out of my nose because the daughter comes downstairs and she's, what, 15, 16. And as I look at her, I'm seeing pictures of her doing naughty things with Richard, the husband. Uh, And I'm thinking, oh, my God, no, I can't be seeing this. Every time I look at her, I just want to go to her, oh, my God, you're sleeping with the husband. I think it can't be right. She's a young school girl. And they're friends of the family. It's like family. It's like incest almost, like her uncle. I thought, like, it can't be right, it can't be right. So I can't look at her. <laughs> I'm trying to stay focused. Anyway, we come out of the house. I went, oh, my God, Nick, I can't believe it. I said, she is sleeping with Richard, the husband. That's the motive here. He's got rid of his wife so he can be with her. Now, no, how can you prove it? I said, I don't know. So you I go back to the police station... And it started then, the old tingles on the scalp and the back of my neck. And I'm thinking, oh, hello, what's going on here? And then the vision was I had to go into the exhibit room and get this notepad that was taken from his van, husband's van. And so I got the notepad, I made photocopies of it, took it back to the house and went through it when I got home after work. And then it's typical, do you know, like you have the movies where the detectives have got a glass of wine and they're doing their work. I'd never do that, but I had to do it on this case. Do you know what I mean? They carry on working. What is wrong with them? Go to a bar, have a life. <laughs> but no, they're <laughs> sitting in the room with a glass of wine trying to work out the case. Anyway, I'm going through the pages and it was like a torchlight was under the page, right? And it had like numbers and letters. And so at the time I was with a partner who had children And I said, come here, Chelsea. I said, what does this mean? She went, duh. She goes, that's love, marry or avoid game. So I'm like, she goes, if you look, if it's a secret one, you'll see the two names in random pages and they're working out. And apparently the numbers in the alphabet of the letters all add up. And it's just a love game, basically, for school kids. And so when I look through the notepad, I can see her name and her working out her numbers. And on another page, his name, it's all in her handwriting. So the following day, go in and say, we need to approach you with this because this is gold. This is going to either blow it open or we got, we're one step closer. So we went and got her, got her in the back of the car, and I said, so "I said, what's this? I said, you're in love with him, aren't you, love? And she went, no. I went, no. I said, no, you are with this man, and this proves it because you want to know if you're going to just love him or marry him. And then she just broke down. It was Perfect. And she said, "Oh my God! I always said to him that he can't divorce Tina because they're friends of the family. I couldn't deal with the guilt of it, so I could never be with him. And so she said it all. And he basically killed his own wife so he could be with this girl.
1: Oh my goodness! And it's... we got the
0: motive for the murder. And he got, I think, got minimum forty-one years, life, maximum life sentence. And so I was so yes, I got the motive for it. But then obviously, there's all the investigation." team are getting all the other exhibits and everything together to get the case solidified but i can definitely say without a doubt that i got the motive for that murder and we managed to arrest him because that girl made a statement to say yeah i've been sleeping with him heard an affair with him for however long it was and he got rid of her because he wanted to be with me so it's a good one isn't it it's a good one
1: <laughs> it's like a it could be a plot for a tv cop show easily
0: I know, because I, when I had a lot of celebrity friends, friends, there were people that obviously loved me because I could tell them what show to go to and what agent to go to. And I was at a celebrity party, and I actually said this to a producer there and said, Do you know what, this would make the best show ever. You know, my kind of character, and someone even emailed me, an actress, a couple of weeks ago and said, oh, this is going to be a show, if it is, can I play you? I said, yeah, you could be really slim, nothing like me. You could be all slim and gorgeous. And, uh, and I said, said this to them, to this producer, and said it would make he goes, Oh my god, that makes such a good series. Then spookily enough, a series did start about a year later, but it was a man, it was a Swedish actor, and he was like a psychic cop, but it was a bit dark. And it was, and I thought, I wonder if it was him that got that idea and done it or not. It was just perhaps coincidence. But I thought it would make for great, wouldn't it? If you got really down to earth Loud, bubbly, vicious cop And then suddenly getting help With murder investigation inquiries It would just be amazing Whatever I think I would love a series like that Because the yeah. thing is I think that most paranormal Most supernatural Whatever you're talking about That they put on the telly It's all scary, isn't it? It's all hauntings And when spirits attack And do you want us here? Do you want us to leave? And it's no We need to have more educational series And... I'm crossing my fingers because there was a series that was coming up that that didn't get funding, but it's just got funding for Netflix called Intuition, and it's just being worked on now. And that is going to be lovely because it's going to show the lighter side of everything. It's going to be educational, but it's not going to be all scary hauntings and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I would like to see better stuff, wouldn't you, on the telly, being a bit more ethereal, and a bit more respectful of it and actually looking at it with proper observational eye, rather than, oh, you're just a rip-off, you're just and taking the Mickey out of people. So I did a show I think you have it over there, come dine with me. You have do you have yes.
1: that over there? Yeah, we do, yep.
0: Yeah and even then I thought it was going to be respectful Big learning curve I actually write about this in my book as well don't I That I went on there and I spent the whole night Showing them how to do a paranormal investigation Because it was my friend's house And it was really old cottage And so we got a bit of phenomena there And then I gave them all readings And a couple of them ended up crying their eyes out Because their mum's gone through But then I didn't have editing rights And I was so naive because it was my first TV show And so when it came out the narrator is literally ripping me to pieces and just taking the mickey. And they even get the people who had the readings go, Oh, no, it's no rubbish. They were the ones crying their eyes out, saying, It's my mum, it's my mum. I can't believe you're talking to my mum. Mm. But I, it got, I got really, it was almost like I was the jester I'll get the psychic in. And I was, I was quite disappointed with that. But then yeah, they we did ready for it. Talk- <laughs> No, exactly. And we did Angels, and that was beautiful, how people's lives were saved or changed by angels basically intervening with their lives. And that was beautiful. That was a lovely show, and I wish that carried on. But the person who was in charge of that Sky Channel didn't want any more paranormal or ethereal, celestial, whatever you want to call it, programmes. He he wanted my fat cat rather than Angel. Sorry if that, it came out cat or whatever, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But it's not all about the television, but I do like to have that option only to bring, and if it's meant for the greater good, to just keep spreading the love and knowledge because we so need it. We so need yes. it. And even I've even watched like the dynamics change of the demographic of who come to me or who emails me or who watches things on my channels. And it's so many more men. It never used mm. to be. They used to be dragged along by their wives. Bingo, come on, we're going to see Nicky Allen. And they're like, oh, God. And they'd walk along. But there's a lot more men. And I think everybody's trying to reach for something because they're not getting it here on the earth plane, if that makes sense. So they're looking for something else to try and explain, perhaps, why there's so much crisis or escape it, as I said earlier. And so, yeah, there's lots more people coming in, younger people as well, that are coming in and interested in this type of spirituality it's so easy to do. People say to me, oh, how do you live spiritually? It's not like a training session or you have to do like a diet. I naturally acknowledge the angel worms, the spirit world, most probably every half hour. Not intentional, but I just go, oh, I'm so lucky. Or if I need a parking space. <laughs> I did that <laughs> yesterday. I was running late and I'm like, please, can you just get me a parking space, please? And there always is one. They're so good at that. And it's funny, if I don't order it, there isn't a parking space. I think, ah, I forgot to order it with the angels. And I said that once with the window open and this bloke looked at me like, she needs to go in the nutty bin. There's something wrong with her. (laughs) And it's just meditating and just being open, plugging into the source you came from.
1: I have a friend of mine, Jules, who's very spiritual and she got me into the idea of Liz the parking princess. And then occasionally I'll remember and nine times out of 10, it works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, but does. then when you forget, oh, I didn't book it early enough, damn it.
0: But That's what I say. And even yeah. things like, if I need to, um, as I say, I ordered, again, I can't remember which book it's in, I think it's in me, myself and I, where I ordered this bungalow, which is, I needed it all one level because obviously I can't do stairs. I needed it right next to the beach and literally I can hear the sea now, it's really rough, and there's a pub there and everything. And so I ordered that for the dogs to go across. I can't even remember what was going to say. Oh, Yeah. And so I basically, if it looks a bit dodgy, and the sky looks a bit dodgy, I go, Archangel Ariel, she's the archangel of the planet, animal kingdom, that kind of thing. And I said, can you just not make it rain just for half an hour so that I can sit and the dogs can have a run around in the park? It works. I've even done a TikTok video oh, on it and YouTube. So I, went, <clears throat> I was sitting in the car, excuse me. I was sitting in the car, went there, bright sunshine, Right, and then got in the car, and as I turned up on the driveway, it just started to rain. Got them in, and it pelted down for the rest of the day. It literally was a slot. And I'm like, that's really weird. That, I, I really think I did that. I think I did control the weather. That, I think what it is, really, is that... Cause I, and then I thought, that I didn't control the weather at all, did I? So I think what they do is that if you send a thought up to whatever source it is, and this was aerial, right... I feel that they then nudge you and say, walk now, walk the dog now. And so you walk because they know there's going to be that half an hour of sunshine. And I think that's how it works. And it's the same as like synchronicity. So it's either like your spirit loved one or a a guide or an angel or something. If you walk along, go into this shop now, go into this shop now. And you walk into the shop and it's your your husband's favourite song or something. So I think they just inspire you to do things. It's so weird. There's a robin just landed there. Oh, I wish I could turn the camera around. It's just gone. Did you? See, I don't know if you'll see that go through there in no, the back it's window. It's bit blurry.
1: blurry.
0: But yes, yeah, so it's just beautiful how they nudge you in the right direction and they push you, go then. It's, and then you hear the song again in a different shop. Or they wait, well, oh, just do this first and then get into the car. Because when you get into the car, you'll turn it on and that'll be another song your husband loved. And I think that's how it works. It's rather than them magicing everything. It's them nudging us and putting us where we need to be exposed to that synchronicity. That's how I feel that it works, and I just love it. And when I went, it's like when I do my Prism Living course, which is a spiritual awareness course, and it's also tools for how to clear the shadow side of yourself out. It's all the tools that I learned being in five years in bed, and to watch people like they think, yeah, okay, I love session one, and then they go through that, and then session two oh, my goodness, this happened, and they have their first synchronicity, like a major one, and it, they absolutely are like, wow, I'm like, welcome to my world. Everybody can have this. Just work it. Yeah. Just send out the thought. Just ask for a sign. Meditate. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Go walking in nature, and you'll get ideas, and they'll come to a beautiful fruition. And to watch them open and awaken is just such a joy. These people come to me broken or they've come, they're in grief, or they hate themselves, or they've got issues, addictions, and they go through the calls and they find themselves, and then they suddenly find that they have access to all of these realms. And it's just, oh, I just am so lucky. I just love what I do. And to see people suddenly think, wow, there's something in this, and then they become these bungees these spiritual sponges that then send me emails. Oh, have you seen this person? Have you seen that person? On Because they're literally grabbing all this ethereal knowledge, all this esoteric knowledge from everybody they can. And that's what I aim to do is spread that so that we can cope with this human experience because it does get tough, doesn't it? Really tough. It does. does. It, See, yeah. what led you, for instance, what led you, look at me, I'm becoming the bleeding nose now, what led you to do this? to bring knowledge of all of these wonderful stories, all these guests you have on? What made you fill that pool to do that? It
1: wasn't anything... What I did was I saw another interview like this and I thought, I've got to do that. That was really it. I just knew as soon as I saw it that I've got to do that. Now, prior to that, I had an interest. So somewhere in the last sort of year and a half, for some reason, I got fascinated with out-of-body experiences. So I started to read... And then I found about the work that Robert Monroe has done with the Monroe Institute and so on and so forth. And then was successful one time. And that sort of, then I thought, okay, it's one thing to read and hear people talk about it, but you've really got to have some experience yourself. And once you've had that, then a lot of doubt fades, right? But until that's there, there's always some doubt. And then I thought, there's just not enough people that talk about it. It, Obviously, there are a lot of people that talk about it. Because once you start to look, you go, there's loads of people talking about it. But I thought, I did, as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's what I need to do, which is very different to what my usual sort of line of work in marketing. Here I am, and I thought that I was going to do it completely under the radar. I was not I was just going to interview people and say, okay, talk to the camera, and then I'll do the edit later, and then that's it, nobody's going to know. But I... <laughs> well, I'm
0: going to say you just knew. So mm-hmm. I know from that there was a source that said we need him to educate people And to bring because all of the people, it's amazing the comfort they get from watching your videos because there's all of all of the things that people talk of. It's not one. It's thousands of people. You go to other channels, it's thousands of people. So these people are going, this is really real. My dad really is in heaven. I really can do this. My soul really can travel, blah, 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 blah. And so I feel that someone nudged you to do that and you just knew you had to do it. And it's like me, I don't have to do anything really because I've got a police pension. I could live very, well, not with many luxuries, but I could, but I am driven. It's like a drug. I cannot not do something for humankind. I cannot not connect with them and say, this is what I know. It's just, I have to do it. I have to do it. And it's the same with you. So you are a light worker in your own right because you are showing people the reality of our souls. And the other thing is, I didn't realize as well that I thought people would be more aware than they were, but I've been, I'm so aware of previous lives. I remember when I was four or five looking up, but every single night I would dream, I'd come out of my body, and every night I would be standing at the bottom of my stairs, and there was a portal at the top of the stairs, which I knew led to the spirit world. But I'd used to walk a few steps and then come back again because they'd say, No, you can't come through this door yet. And then I used to fly, and I used to go into the back garden and think, why can't I fly when I'm awake? And it really used to really... And I used to say, Mummy, why can't I fly when I'm awake? She's like, no, ask your dad, because it's on my dad's side of the phone. And And my auntie would explain it to me, and I just couldn't understand why I couldn't fly when I was awake, because I did it all the time. And then I found that after my dad died in a road accident, two days after he died, I was only nine... He went past me, said, it's OK, Nick, I'm all right. And I was furious. So I ran back to the house and I was like, how dare you, mummy? How dare you say my daddy's dead? I've just seen him. And it was like, everybody's in the family there, silent, silently talking and having their tea. And I've just kicked off like a little. <laughs> and so my granddad pulled me aside and he goes, darling, I'm just going to have to tell you're special. You're going to see people that have passed over, you're going to see things from heaven, you're going to see angels and things that are not of this world, but it's okay. And I'm like, okay, then, that's absolutely fine. And it went from there, really. But I thought everybody could do that. And I used to see things that would happen the following day. And again, it was... And now I realise that everybody else is a muggle. And I (laughs) am... And I should be a Hogwarts And not a mudblood, either, I can tell (laughs) you. Oh, God, wouldn't you just love it? If there was a real Hogwarts. Do you like Harry Potter?
1: I do. My oh, wife is an absolute oh, insane oh, fan. Oh, yeah. She must Not have watched already. each of the movies up at least 20 times each, for sure.
0: And me. Yeah. I literally yeah. decide, if I, especially if I'm on a bad day and I've got really bad pain and I'm exhausted, you're, you learn to know that your mind says, nothing's happening today, love. Nothing is happening. And you get a block emotionally, physically, where you cannot do a thing apart from just lay there. I still get those days. Yeah. And I think, yes. Harry Potter Fest. And I'm on it. And I start the first one. And then I just watched the whole lot. It sounds really sad, doesn't it? But I don't care. I love it. And when I was in, when I actually got to Florida, right, when I went to the Harry Potter place, and went to Hogwarts, I just stood there and cried like a baby. Do you know the moving pictures? I was like, it's even Don French. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. And I just cried like a baby. And one of the one of the people, you know, like, that, hey, how are you doing? She goes, Are you okay? I went, I'm just really happy to be here because this is Hogwarts. And so she's, yeah, she needs to go in the nut bin. There's times i fucking so people have gone, yeah, OK. And I, oh my goodness, I went to Ollivander's to get my wand. It was Dumbledore's. Get in. I literally was more excited. I was like throwing kids out of the way so I could get through the queue. Not really. It's my turn. I want my one. Get out the way, child. Absolutely love it, because it's the magic of it, isn't it? Like, we have the Arthur Finley College. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a psychic development place in the near Stanford Airport here in Essex. And people oh, come okay. from all over the world to study. There's all different courses there. And I call that Hogwarts, but it's nothing like the real Hogwarts. What a shame. But, oh, God, I just love it. Could you imagine? going on a train to just pure magic. So to a certain essence, I think that's why I love doing what I do because I'm showing people a bit of magic, a bit of escapism, a bit. but it's actually reality. It's just a different, it's a parallel reality. Yeah, and that's why I love it so much. And people say to me, how do you stay so positive when you've got such a disabling condition? Because my mind's my mind, I've sorted my mind out. I've sorted how I want to choose to live my life. And my guide once said to me, what is wrong with you humans, Julianes, He said, why is it that you all choose to drag yourself through a desert when you can actually consciously put yourself in an oasis with every part of your life? Why do you have to martyr yourself and walk through the desert without any water, any food, sustenance and stuff like that? He goes, I just, he goes, I just don't know sometimes. And he's right. You know, we choose, oh, I'm going to be rubbish today. Then you'll be rubbish, won't you? But then if you think, yes, I'm going to be really good today, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to play my favourite song, I'm going to burn my favourite essential I'm going to do whatever I do that I love, and then your day is completely different. And we can all choose that. We can. We all have the choice to live a happy or sad life. And then lots of people say, it's all right for you, this has happened to me, that's happened to me. Exactly, it's happened. So it depends on how you deal with it, as to how you get away from it, heal from it, and what you've learned from it. What did you learn from that situation? And so we all have to naturally grieve. Loss is part of our life down here, part of our human experience. And the older our soul is, the harder the experiences become. Because when we get up, this is all in my new book, when you get up there, it's like my mum, oh my goodness, she was just literally no filter, my mum. She was worse than me, believe it or not. And when I went up there and spoke to her, I said, you're right. She goes, yeah, it's all right. She goes, it's all right. Because you you see everybody, you're really excited for like the first day or so. She goes, and then it's a bit boring. So so what do (laughs) you mean? It's a bit boring. She goes, you can do what you want. She goes, so yeah, it gets a bit boring. I'm like, oh my God. So she goes, I like coming down here to see all the drama. And I'm like, okay. And it's true. And I've seen it where... You've been, it's normally they say it's three generations before you reincarnate so that you're not bumping into someone that you know on the earth plane. That's how they say it when you reincarnate. And so what they do is when I went up there and said, how does it all work? When I went into the halls of learning, it's like we do get bored. Everything is a utopia with our soulmates, with our soul cluster. We can create whatever reality we want. There's no challenges, there's no pain, there's no hurt, there's nothing. And so when it's our time to reincarnate, I think we get a really sick sense of humour because we go in, right, and our guides there, our soul guides there, that's with Metatron, right, what do you want to experience this time around? Right, what should we do this time? Let's have a really tough one, shall we? You can leave me, you can turn up then, this will happen. And we crave human experience and challenge and obstacles the older we get. So a young soul, for instance, they must have got loads of money and everything's easy for them and all oh, this just happened and I opened a company and now I'm multimillionaire. They're the old, young souls that still crave the material. Whereas as you get older, the older souls crave the human experience. So they're the sort of people that give up their whole lives to open an animal shelter and they just wear the clothes that have got on their back and they don't care. And they're just giving themselves to the planet or to, to the animal kingdom. And then the old souls. You always know an old soul because their life is rubbish. Mine's been rubbish. My life has been so rubbish, it's unbelievable. Until the awakening, the proper awakening during those five years, as people say, oh, so you're saying that it's my fault that I've had a hard life. No, but if you look at the bigger picture of an eternal soul, you've chosen one tiny little incarnation and you've added some obstacles in it and some pain in there so that you can experience it. Because when you get back up there... It's back to per- perfect, like, utopia. So that's why. But, but some most people can't handle it when I say that, though. They will not accept, which I get. They will not accept that they've chosen what they're going through. But we do, and people get angry with it. How dare you say that? I didn't ask for my mum to die when I was five. No, I didn't ask for my dad to die when I was nine, but apparently we agreed it when we was up there. And he's even confirmed it. He's even confirmed it when he's been up there. and said, yeah, it was part of me. He goes, I did have... He said, I did have a subparagraph. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I actually did have the choice this time, which I must have put in there at some point in the life plan, to come down but be completely disabled, completely paralysed. And he goes, Nick, I couldn't do that because I couldn't dance. My dad was real right, darling. Beautifully handsome. He reminds me of you. He had his beautiful blue eyes, dark hair, and everybody loved my dad. And uh, my mum was this most beautiful she was a model and she was like in a year she'd done modeling she was beautifully lady and everybody was quite jealous of them yeah. perfect couple and he said i could come down here and be a veggie and i said you can't call him that he goes no i don't care i didn't i could have come down and be that this is our love he goes i'm sorry but do you know what i see him more now than i most probably would have back if he was alive now it's just he's always there for me he's always there and it's like things like I think it's in Rise and Fall as well, where I say about the TV going off. And it started in November, and the TV kept going off in the lounge. Now, my partner, he was sceptical to begin with. He used to take the mickey out of me. But over the years, it's oh, no, it's totally right. I'm never ever going to argue with it again. So he's saying to me, maybe the TV keeps turning on because there's an internal alarm. I said, there's quite a few alarms in because it goes like between three and oh. half past three. She so goes, oh, there's an electrical fault, there's an electrical fault. And I went, there isn't. I said, I'm telling you, it was my dad, but he won't tell me what it's about. This went on for three months. And then he basically, Darren goes, no, there's definitely a fault with the telly. We'll have to get a new telly. And as he said it, the TV on the bedroom came on as well, which is fantastic. It's like a TV bed. That was one of my luxuries, because I thought if I'm going to spend a load of time in bed, I'm having a TV bed. So it rises up at the bottom of the bed. So you have to press the... Buttons for it to rise up, press the sound tube for that to come on, and press the TV to turn it on, then press the sky button. So that's all different remotes that you've got to press. And it just came up and turned on and everything turned on. The sound is whoa. He said, That's good. That's the and I went, exactly. So both TVs were playing three o'clock in the morning. And then after three nights of that, I was like, Do you know what? This is getting a joke. So I just walked into the lounge and went, what do you want me to do? God's sake, I'm so tired. What is it? You won't tell me. And then my phone came on and there was a TikTok thing plan. I'm like, oh, hell no, I don't want to do that. But I did go on it because the TV wouldn't stop. So the day I did my first video, the TV stopped. And so it was him. And for some reason, I wanted to go on TikTok. And I suppose it's just a reach to different genre of people, if you like. I prefer YouTube. I love YouTube because you have the most beautiful community, don't you? And they're so supportive and wonderful. And I think they're great. And right at the beginning when we said about me having a big boost, I'm so pleased for that because I can put more attention on YouTube now because TikTok I find... I don't know if you do anything on there or put anything on there, but I find it very... There's a lot of negativeness in in that app. There's a lot of people that are the keyboard warriors, I call them. Oh, I'll wake up and I'll just create hate everywhere.
1: Yeah, it exists on d- different platforms. I think it's, it's on all the platforms and I suppose, oh. I feel like I've only got so, so many resources spread around and there's way more eyeballs on YouTube. YouTube's Absolutely. Website, yeah, yeah. That's
0: where I'm going to concentrate yeah. on mine because they are beautiful people and they really, they respect what you do, don't they? And they've got ultimate respect and listen to what you have to say. No, I love it here. I do love mm. it and I love doing these interviews as well because most of the time, most especially regular hosts, they just go, okay, record and off you go, Nikki." And then they're like, yeah, I'll have a cup of tea, go out and do my shopping, come back and go, yep, okay, I'm just going to go and do it. <laughs> it's all for England and Australia and America. The world makes it great. I remember when I was training in the police and people said, oh, my God, we've got to do this exercise tomorrow. And you had to talk about the most ridiculous things for 10 minutes. So it just gave you communicative skills and confidence in speaking in front of a crowd. And I had to talk 10 minutes on the inside of a ping pong ball. Piece of cake. And another one was a gorilla's armpit.
1: That would be more interesting at least.
0: I know, but it's it's easy. I'm just a natural talker. Yeah, as I said to you, looking in the oven reflection, I can just talk for England, which is good. Because you need good communicators if they're going to not sell, but if you're going to talk about the things that we do in respect of heaven, afterlife, incarnation, all that, you have to have a bit of humour, you have to be down to earth, not be too spooky-dooky people, the people that wear, like, cobwebby stuff and have, like, weird stuff going on and all this weird stuff in the background. You're like, really? Just keep it real. And that's what I like to do. And that came about, keeping it real... That was just people watching me saying, you really keep it real. I said, yeah, I don't do airs and graces. This is it. This is how it happens. And I suppose I've had more credibility over the years because I was a police officer before as well, because some there are some, oh, I can feel your energy. I'm not that person at all. So by being down to earth, I think it makes you more credible when you're actually talking about this stuff. But then again, it's How could you, what do you think after reading Rise and Fall, could, I don't know how a sceptic could get around all of those stories I've got in there. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I think that you just, I went in a full believer already, but you can't not read something like that and go, you just can't make that stuff up. (laughs) You just can't possibly make it up. Yeah. Exactly,
0: and that's why I'm so glad I did my soul journal. I'm actually just in the, just Funny enough, she's from Australia. Trish, oh my God, she's amazing. I've got, I found her again through Synchronicity, a graphic designer, and I'm going to create my own soul journal because if it wasn't for me doing the soul journals, I never would have had book one, me, myself and I, because that was me when I could write, writing my feelings out and writing what I was going through. And I thought it was a bit too to begin with. Then lots of people said, no, we're in the same boat. We get it. There's Mm. millions of us exactly the same as you, Nikki." So that was okay. And then the second one, again, I've literally just got a whole box full of my journals and I just went through them and marked, that's a good story. I've got thousands most probably that I could do about another six books with all the stories I've got. And so song journals are just so precious to me, writing out... Your meditations, your dreams, your feelings, your emotions, writing to perhaps people you're grieving and writing out all your spiritual experiences. And thank goodness I did that because <laughs> so half of the stories I forgot, but then they're all written, time and dated at the time. I suppose that goes back to me being a police officer, time and dating and everything as I put it in there. And so it's good to literally record everything and then be able to put it into a book. It's just amazing. I've got the thing is, I've got so many books here. And it's just getting the time and the energy to write them on top of everything else. I've just got so many to do, so many. But they'll all come, they'll all come as I go along. It's just finding the time. I need an extra day put in. But I think all during that, the angels aren't going to be able to pull that one off. So I want well, you've, you've, in, you've
1: inspired me to keep a diary more regularly. I've started with just dreams, like trying to remember dreams. Because one thing I noticed was that the more that you try to remember them and write them down, the better you get at it. If you can acquire a habit for it, I think it's really very useful. I'm conscious of the time, Mickey. <laughs> so what I wanted to do was to ask, what's the best way for people to, to follow your work and get in contact with you if they want to uh, these days?
0: Yeah, my website is, is Nikki Allen, so I work in my dad's name, in his memory, it says A-L-A-N, nickyallen.co.uk, which is my website, which has got everything there, including the shop and all my contact details. I also am on YouTube, obviously please come and join me on YouTube, I do lots of questions for people and readings and all sorts of things on there. Just TikTok, any of the Instagram or all of those kind of sites if you need to speak to me, though. But I'm going to tell you now, though, that because of my condition at the moment, I haven't got the energy to do one-to-one readings. So I get normally after I something like this goes out, I get hundreds of people say, can I have a reading? I can refer you to my brother, who's an amazing medium, but I haven't got the energy to dedicate an hour to just one person few times a day at the moment i need to spread it out so just to let you know don't email me about asking for a reading let you want my brother's details but apart from that there's any questions you have or anything that you know you want to need to know then it's NikkiAllen333 at gmail.com. But to be honest with you, the website has got absolutely everything. That's got all of the information you'll possibly need. And as I say, come join us on YouTube. Let's create a big ethereal party with all us wonderful people on it and have loads of followers.
1: I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on the channel, Nikki. I knew that this was going to be fun, and I wish I could like talk for a whole lot longer. Hopefully we can organize you to come back for a live stream as no, well, I've been, yeah, I'm, I've been running a couple of those, so we'll organise that. Do you have any any kind of a message that you want people to hear before we wrap it up? I
0: think that the main message I want to do is whatever situation you're in what that's causing you pain or trauma, the major thing that you need to get hold of is your mindset. Because if your mindset can be as positive as it can and as strong as it can, then your experience of what you're going through is going to be so much easier. Be kind to yourself, love yourself and do everything you can to be as positive as you can. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I've been there and done it and got the sweatshirt and the matching earrings. But what I will say is, is the more you can be focused on your minds and be more positive, the easier your life will be during here. And if you can't manage it, people like me and Rod and other people will show you the way forward. Just keep watching. All of these brilliant inspirers on here, just keep watching them because they'll fill you with so much hope, knowledge and comfort. And that's all I want to say. But if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, work on your mind because it will take you to places you've never been. If you just allow them in, people say, how do you allow them in? Walk in nature, send your thoughts up to them, meditate. But you don't even have to sit there and meditation can be you walking, gardening, swimming. Any way that you can get your mind quiet and just allow positive things in, it's going to be a whole lot easier on this life term this time round. That's what i you to so much. Thank you so that much for coming on, Nikki.
1: Pleasure. I can't wait thank to do this again.
0: I can't wait. I'm not. wait i don't
1: All right, now don't go away.